Welcome to A Friend of Mine, a series of conversations with some incredible and inspiring women in business from regional and rural Australia. I'm Kimberly Finesse, your host and the founder and editor of Oak Magazine, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some amazing female entrepreneurs who will share with you their experience and knowledge of what it takes to start, grow and scale a successful business. So let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Hello and welcome to this special podcast episode recorded live at our In Conversation with Samantha Wills, held in Bendigo earlier this year. In March, my dream of hosting a keynote speaker in my hometown became a reality, all thanks to my wonderfully kind, creative and inspiring friend, Samantha Wills. Samantha travelled from Sydney to Bendigo so that 85 people could sit close to home and listen to her stories of business, love and life that she has fabulously written in her memoir of gold and dust. Samantha's story is an inspiring blueprint for getting out there and finding the magic that awaits you. This sellout event was made possible thanks to our incredible co-host, AFS and Associates Chartered Accountants in Bendigo. Here are just some of the conversations we had during the evening. I know you're going to love this. The thing is, I think many of us have probably, we're familiar with your story. We've read it, we've listened to it, um, we've watched it on TV. I thought I knew your story. I've interviewed you. I don't know your story. My gosh. It is so raw. Um, it's not a light-hearted read, I will say that. Look at all those dog pages in there. Look at, sorry, there's even food stains in there. Uh, I've read it well, people. It's one you will binge in a weekend, I promise. That's how good it is. My gosh, how, how do you go writing a book and pouring your heart and soul into it that we can all read? Like, how does that happen? How does that make you feel to know that we all know you're, you're in a story now, everything. Yeah, well, thank you. It's, it's the biggest compliment. It's my first book and, um, you know, I'm a fussy reader. So if something doesn't grab me in, you know, those first three pages, I'm like, I'll pop it on my to-be-read list and that keeps growing and I never revisit it. So I really wanted to write a book that I wanted to read. Um, and when I um, started writing the book, I still had a company. So I had a jewellery company for 15 years, which I ever so modestly named Samantha Wills. And, um, you know, when I started writing the book, it was signed on as a business memoir. So um, half or well, six months into, into that journey, I decided to close the business. So it was kind of like my own plot twist. Where I was like, all right, well, this narrative's, you know, no longer going where I thought it was. And so I you know, kind of changed that halfway. It was always going to be quite vulnerable. Um, and the book was actually meant to come out at this time last year. And obviously, when the world changed, they wanted to tour the book. So, like, we're going to have to push it back a year, which, um, you know, allowed me to not only sit with the stories to, you know, be okay with them. I think I, I was still okay with them if it came out last year, but having an extra year to kind of let them settle a little bit, um, I was very at peace with it. Um, it also allowed me to add in that final chapter about my health journey that um, I went through last year. So, um, yeah, I, did, I, I thought when I released, I call it her, like it's got its own entity now. I'm like, they're no longer my stories. It, they're, if you see yourself on any of those pages, they're our stories. So I'm like, that's, that's storytelling and that's vulnerability and that's connection, right? So 
um, yeah, I felt very calm having her out in the world. I had to change two names in there, which were both ex-boyfriends, which I didn't want to change. But legal were like, yeah, maybe just you might want to change it for you know identification reasons. So um, yeah, I, I feel really calm about it. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to talk about that part of the book in a moment. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some choice words that come up with some of those guys. Uh, but what I wanted to say, you just picked up on something then, storytelling. Like how important that is. And there's a little bit in that book where you talk about sitting on the plane with a lady and how she said, you can't be what you don't see and how important storytelling is and that sort of thing. I mean, that's through your brand as well. So you're Samantha Wills, the brand. You've used storytelling very much as the base of it. Why is that important, do you think? I think that's the connection, right? I think since we're, you know just out of the womb, we we recognise storytelling. Our parents read stories to us when we were little. Our minds like to absorb information that way. So as a brand, when we're marketing, um, you know, if you can do it in a storytelling narrative, it's a lot more authentic. Um, it's how people like to receive information. And I think when you talk about storytelling, then you talk about vulnerable storytelling. That's where you connect with people because it's, you know, you see yourself in their stories and themselves in yours. So, um, you know, I, I say first and foremost that I was... You know, I was a jewellery designer, I guess, technically, but I was a storyteller first and foremost, and the vehicle was jewellery, and then it was, you know, through the campaigns, and now it's a book, and through the Smart the Wills Foundation. So I think it's all about storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I found really interesting was that you love clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. You love to go and have your cards read. And a couple of times, um, a few of them mentioned that this might be on the cards for you, like a book. I mean, you've got to go back to them, don't you? They're, they're pretty good clairvoyants. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I touch on them in the book, but they have been such spiritual guidance for me from, you know, the very first time I saw them. So there's a story I go to see a gentleman called Astro John, which is actually his business name because he's an astrologer uh, in New York. And I remember going, you know, I got gifted the reading um, in 2014 it was. And he's like, oh, you know, you know he's, he's going, and it's, it's natal charting. So it's literally like a, a chart of, you know, it, it's not like... A clairvoyant where they're like, I think I see this. It's like literally a scientific chart he does of your time and birth. And he's like, oh, well, you haven't had a good career year yet. And I was like, you know, got him. The one thing in my life that I feel has been pretty stable to that point, I was like, is, is my career. I was like, oh, this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. And he's like, yeah, your real career starts, what you're put on this earth to do starts in 2018. And I was like, whatever, like, you know, kind of dismissed it. And, you know, there was a few other things that he said that, that captured my attention. But what he said specifically then, he's like, what you do involves writing. He's like, it's, it's around women, it's in, around bringing women together and it's writing and that's your core purpose. What you're doing now is just the lead up to it. I need to go find him yeah. and see Astro John. Yeah. Com, I what's, think. Yeah. <laughs> what's Astro John got in his <laughs> store for me? Um, I think what I also just, it's not a similarity actually. Um, I, in year nine, I had a teacher that actually told me I could write. Mm -hmm. And that's what put me on my career path and, you know, look at where I am now. For you, that wasn't the case. You had an English teacher that said you couldn't write. Yet I heard your voice come out through this. Thank you. I think, you know, I look back on things and I think, you know, when you say I grew up in the 80s and 90s, which makes me sound quite a thousand years old because I'm like, it was a time before the internet. <laughs> so when I tell these stories, I'm like, yeah, it was a time before the internet. Um, but there was this one teacher and she was just a stickler for technicalities. Like it was, and back then, maybe not back then as a generality, but in 
in my school, creativity wasn't really celebrated. It was celebrated as a hobby. It wasn't celebrated like, we, I wasn't like, oh, a creative director is an actual career. Like it was a sports school, um, you know, it was, it was maths and, you know, that was the academic side of it and sports. So, um, you know, she was like, you don't, you're not going to get anywhere in life unless you know the technicalities. And I just remember everything through school, I... I just wanted to get outside the criteria. Like in art class, they'd give us an assignment and I'd be like, okay, how can I, you know, amp this up to Power Ranger level and be like, let's run some electricity through it. Let's do this. So I feel like through my whole career, that's what has served me. But if I look back in school, I was reprimanded every time for it. So it really um, has allowed me, I think, to approach it with an open heart when I'm speaking at schools and when I'm speaking with other entrepreneurs, especially up and coming entrepreneurs, I'm like, follow that. Like, don't tell someone that because you don't fit into this tiny little box that you aren't, you aren't going to make that. There's, yeah. there's many more, many yeah. more facets. Yeah. And that almost leads into the whole uh, piece of paper a qualification, a degree, university. I'm a bit the same. I don't have that piece of paper and for some reason I'm still chasing it. But even if we had the piece of paper, we find something else. I think we go through life seeking this permission slip in some way, whether it's from a person, whether it's from society, from our parents, from, you know, a diploma. There's always something um, and we get fixated on it. Well, I know I did and for me it was a diploma, um, which I never had. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a really... I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's... You know, I, I read this thing the other day and someone was saying about... Um, I don't have children myself, but they're saying when they speak to children, we're so used to being brought up with like, I'm so proud that you did that, and this external like, I'm proud of you, rather than being like, hey, are you proud of yourself because you you did this? And I'm like, wow, like that's a really powerful way to flip it around, um, to to think of it that way, yeah. Because yeah. often we can seek validation in what we in do. Everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's been a few times when you've been on the pursuit of that. Um, when you probably should have said no to projects mm -hmm. like Fashion Week. Mm -hmm. um, you're like, no, I have to be there. I need that validation. Yeah. Why is validation so important to us? Is it still important to you? Yeah, I think, I think it is, but I think it comes in different forms throughout your career. I think, you know, then for me, it was about proving, I think, to my peers um, that I that I could that I was a real designer for whatever reason because I'm you know a self self taught designer and I carried that even now I'm like was I a real designer like that's the narrative in, in my head um, and I don't know I think we move the success pillars as we move through our careers and through life and and what that is and I think it's the same with validation yeah. I love it. Um, I felt like every time I was reading, um, there was sort of always this point where, uh, like it felt like it was the end for you. Like that's the end of the Samantha Wills brand, or I don't know. But then suddenly the universe would come and just drop an email in your inbox. Mm -hmm. And that might be from, you know, a big name or some sort of door would open for you. Yeah. Is there any advice to people that are questioning whether they should continue? Yeah, well, I think what is the end? You know what I mean? Like, I think when I got to the point of, you know, the, the very end of closing my business, um, I feel like, well, why didn't you sell it? And to me, you know, I didn't want to hand my name over and see what someone else would do with it. And I also looked at it as, um, you know, I knew I wanted to do other things under the Samantha Wills name. And I also looked at it as, as a legacy to, to close that. And especially when we were going out on a high in a way, and I talk about the, the, the feeling filter and the thinking filter. And in that moment, I couldn't, logically give anyone an explanation on why closing the business was a good idea. We're in growth, we were high profit, it was on the up and up, but it felt, it felt like the right time to close. And I describe it as in like, you can't fake a feeling, but your mind can talk you out of absolutely anything. So 
um, you know, what I say in, in those instances, and I, you know, having the, the opportunity to write this book and look back on almost two decades, I really can sit there and be like, oh, wow, like, in those moments, I, weren't, I wasn't like, oh, the universe is so magical, look at, you know, what's happening. But, you know, you look back on those moments, and I've tried to, to weave that through the story um, in that way. But I think when we go back to our thinking and feeling filter, it's the feeling that matters. And it's not someone else's logic. It's not, you know, what it says on paper. It's what's in here. And when I um, made the decision to close, it was such a big decision. And it was, you know, far greater than, than myself. We had a, a big team. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to keep this to myself for two weeks. And I'm going to wake up every morning and pretend that I've already closed the company. And so I'd wake up and I'd ask myself how I felt about it. Not what I thought about it, but how I felt. And every single time, it felt like the right thing to do. And even to this point, like not one minute, like hand on my heart, have I regretted that decision. That's good. That's the right decision. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I suppose the thing is, you keep talking about how you didn't know how to run a business. So you can make jewellery, yep. but you didn't know how to run a business. And found yourself in just a little bit of debt. Yeah, I mean, at, at 23, you know, and, and probably for like the first three years after that fashion week, I did it all by myself. And any solopreneur knows, you know, you wear many hats. And I tell the story in the book, um, and I, I say we, like we, we, our business, us. I'm like, I tell that because it's such an ingrained lie in my psyche. And when I was like writing this part in the book, I'm like, how long before you do something illegal can they not put you in jail? Like how much time has to pass? And everyone kind of looks at me and I'm like, well, because what I needed to do back then as a solopreneur, you know, you're going, you're hand making the drawer, you're going into the retailers, presenting it, coming back, taking their order making the drawer and then you go to send it out and it's like, oh, they owe you, you know, five, their account's overdue, so $500. And I was like, there's nothing that kills a relationship more than being like, hey, you owe me, you owe me money. So I was like, I just need like an accounts receivable. I, need, I don't think I even knew what an accounts receivable was, to be honest, but I was like, I need someone to chase the money to be like the bad cop to my good cop. And at that time, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to employ someone. I, you know, I'm here on my dining table. I'm 23 years old. I was like, I'm just going to make up a fake email address. Like, not a real person. Just like, let's call her Renee, because that was her name. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Renee at samanthawills.com. I was like, this, this is fine. It's just an email thing. So then me, Samantha, emails out all, all our retailers. And I'm like, oh, hi, guys. Just introducing you to Renee in CC. Uh, Renee is going to be um, calling you guys for any overdue accounts. So any financial questions, just shoot them through to Renee. So I was like, all right, this is good. So I, Samantha, go about my normal job, which is everything else. And then at about two or three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, all right, Renee, you're up. Like, hi, guys, you, are, you know, here's your overdue account. And I was like, this is all well and good until someone like called one day to speak to Renee. And I'm like, you know, come back. And I was like, hello, Renee, speak. Like, I don't know why she sounded like that, but I was like, all right. So then I was like, but this started to work, right? So I'm like, we're getting this cash flow in. And then I was like, you know what's a really arrogant move? As again, you're wearing all hats. And I was like, Samantha Wills telling the media how great the Samantha Wills brand is. I was like, that's pretty arrogant. But I was like, you know who can do it without looking like a total asshole? Renee. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Renee, you're now in marketing and accounts. <laughs> so, and then retailers would literally email me being like, oh, that Renee girl, isn't she diligent? We get, she must work so hard. We get emails from her at three and four o'clock in the morning. I was like, she's a really hard worker, okay? <laughs> like, yep. yeah, so it, often when I say, you know, back then we, I'm like, it's, it's the royal we because it was just me. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people would trust a name like that. <laughs> I would. Yeah, chasing money. <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, chasing money and that debt again, if we could go back to that. Mm -hmm. um, just how 
can we avoid getting ourselves into that pitfall as small business owners? I think especially as a creative small business owner, um, it's naturally usually something we're not that interested in um, and it's something that we leave till the very last minute. And I think if I look back now, I looked at that time and be like, if I spent money as in, um, you know, a, a, even a freelance a bookkeeper, I was like, oh, well, that's spending money rather than that's investing money, not only in the business to keep things working how they're meant to, but an investment in freeing up my time. Like, there is absolutely no reason why I, at 23, should be sitting there running the accounts of this business. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And I think we just so ingrained sometimes to be like, save as much money as you can, and it can often come at a big detriment to to yeah. sectors of the business you shouldn't be touching. Yeah, yeah definitely can. Um, if you don't know how to do it, just outsource it. It's yeah, and, and there are ways. It doesn't mean you have to bring someone in-house. I think when you're talking about scaling as well, like what you're looking for first is kind of a jack-of-all-trades, someone that's, you know, a second you that kind of sits across everything. Then when, when you get a bit bigger, then you're like, all right, now we're going to get, you know, kind of specialists in, in smaller roles that can sit across a few and you keep working up to experts of industry. But, yeah, you don't have to start out that way. And I think so often... And, you know, we're living in an age of perceived perfection, right? Like we're scrolling on Instagram, we're seeing what we think is, you know, this establishment, yeah, or, or perfection. And I'm like, it's such a hologram. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't actually exist. So if we're sitting there comparing ourselves to, you know, this fake reality, it's a really dangerous comparison. Yeah, it is. Mm. And I also find when money's tight or you're in that little spot, creativity is just not happening for me. No, like, and I you think know. it goes back to that traditional thought process where I was like, well, creative is what we do for fun. That's the hobby. Yeah. You're like, all oh, the work, like what I'm meant to be doing is this arduous. And I'm like, if you run a creative business, that's your lifeblood, new ideas, um, you know, and if you're not making room and space, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually for new ideas to reach you, like that's the biggest investment in a creative business. Yeah. Yeah. And surrounding yourself with the right people. You Absolutely. seem to have a great cheerleader in Mel mm -hmm. um, and then you found Jeff mm -hmm. who just really did <laughs> almost come in and save the business yep. in a way to be a great mentor for you and business partner. Um, you know, when you had those questions... Do you ask them of people? Like, are you hesitant to ask someone business advice? It, I definitely was back then. And I think, you know, I met my business partner because I was at the end of the line. Like, I literally was $80,000 in debt across five credit cards. The bank rightly wouldn't give me any more money. And, you know, when you're, like, you're at the cashier and you're, like, like a blackjack dealer, you're, like, try this one, try this one. Like, and it's like, oh, you know, they must be just waiting for funds to clear. You're, like, you know it's high and dry. And just that anxiety that you're, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent this week was a very real reality for me. So um, I think once we're in situations where we have nowhere else to go is when we start to ask for help, I hope. But up until then, I think we, we live in a, you know, a network, especially back then, it was very much a um, afraid to show up imperfect. And, you know, you wanted everyone to kind of think it was going a certain way, or I know I did. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of only started asking people, and I asked anyone that would listen at that point. I'm like, do you know, do you know anyone that, you know, you could introduce me to? Like, I would reach out to anyone. And I think that in business, people want to help, right? I don't know, for some reason, we, we think, we do, all you can do is ask. And people, I don't know, it sticks with people. They want to be the person that introduces you to someone great. And, and people are very keen to help. So, yeah, I would say open networking is, is one of my biggest advices now. Really? Yeah. yeah. And the answer is no, unless you ask anyway. And so. I don't think it's ever no. It might not, it might be right, not right, right now, now, but they might meet someone down the track. Like, oh, you, you got to put it out. And yeah. I think, you know, the word manifesting gets, is, is such an overused word to the point. But I'm like, manifesting is when you're ready for something, it, it finds you. And you can't, you've got to put as many feelers out there as possible. So yeah. as it relates to business, absolutely. Mm. Um, it's interesting with your book, Samantha, that 
I was sitting in the hairdressers yesterday and we started talking about it, you know, and, and it's so weird. Like we, you know, you think you go to a hairdressers to gossip, but um, <laughs> it's, just not, <laughs> it's just not something I do. But here we were talking about your private life and it felt a little <laughs> bit uncomfortable. And then again at the, um, where I got my makeup done at Wax Gallery, I guess, sorry, I'm just talking about your life. But that, that's the thing. And what it come out of today's conversation was the lady said, I just love that she's so honest and vulnerable about these moments in her life because they're not ones that we're talking about outside our close-knit group. And it it just makes those conversations so much easier. And one of those conversations that you did really bring to the forefront was earlier this year with Endo. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a perfect month for it. It's Endo month as well. And um, again, these are conversations for some reason we're not having. Yeah, and I think, you know, the original working title of the book was Public Brand, Private Life. And what I always wanted to do was kind of parallel the two of those things. Because obviously we see, you know, the highlight reel and we see what the media is and, you know, everyone's talking about that. And then obviously there's, some people do share the hurdles and, and things like that. But I'm like, hey, there's a really human element in here. There's, it's humans running businesses, especially when it's female business. There's, there's a lot that we're juggling at any given time. And, you know, when we go through hardship or when we go through grief or breakup or, or health issues, issues, the world not only doesn't stop, but the business, you know, you can't call in sick to the boss if you are the boss. So I think I really wanted to parallel that that human element of it. And yeah, and it's endometriosis awareness month this month. Um, you know, one in 10 women suffer from endo. It's so common. Even a lot of medical professionals aren't even trained in it. That's how much we're not talking about it. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be, I was in uh, an OR in January last year, I had my operation. And when, when they opened me up, they found two fibroids the size of oranges and stage four endometriosis had riddled my body. And, you know, I, I hoped, that, you know, I was able to share that because the book was pushed back due to COVID, but I hope through that I, I really share that I think it's quite common how we're like, oh, my health, I'll, you know, I'll get to that when I can. Or when work quietens down, you know, as women, we kind of put ourselves on the back burner for, you know, habitually. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we're the greatest asset in our, in our own businesses. And if we're not looking after ourselves, then are we really valuing the work that we're doing? Yeah. yeah. And just again, coming back to that, sharing your story, having storytelling within what you do and, and I suppose being brave to an extent to share it out on Instagram. And, and maybe that's something that you might think of. You're probably sitting there going, oh, I don't want to share too much um, about my business life or personal life when really there'll be someone out there that will connect and you might make such a difference to their yeah, life. Absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's human. And I it think is. that, you know, it's, that's the connection. The more human we can be, the more humans we attract because, you know, if it's happening to us, it's happening to, you know, in a world of 7 billion people, it's yeah. happening to a, a lot of million others. Yeah. yeah. So what does life look like for Samantha Wills now? You know, that you're not sort of jet-setting around anymore? Yeah. Not being as creative or...? Yeah, it was kind of shifting a gear, I think, creatively. So, um, you know, doing jewellery. By the end of of the business, I'd designed 12,000 pieces of jewellery. So, you know, I could design it with my eyes closed, but I felt like at the end I was designing it with my hands and not my heart. And I really, as a, as a creative, you know, very much on the creative end of the scale, I, I needed something that I was doing with my heart. And 
um, you know, Samantha Wars Foundation, which I launched in 2016, it, what really excited me about that was when I started sharing vulnerably around business stories, the, the energy between myself and people that would give me feedback on it, that really started to light a fire within me. So, um, you know, now I find myself at the book and, um, you know, so if that's if the book's the story, the Samantha Wills Foundation, I now want to be home. We're, we're in the final stages of, of, of rebuilding it, um, but launching a Samantha Wills Masterclass, which is more the tangible handing over. So, like, you know, the Samantha Wills uh, marketing template and the Samantha Wills, um, you know, like the P&L structure and things like that. So kind of handing that real tangible documents over to other entrepreneurs. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of keeping me busy at the moment. And that's Any as far Excel as spreadsheets in there? <laughs> I'm yeah, hands up, like, Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. Give There's me a up. few in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. Now, as we said before, you're from Hort Macquarie, mm. and obviously, my gosh, they've had the hardest 12 months, I think. Yeah, it's 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 a bit underwater at the minute. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. What is it growing up in a small town, a regional town, mm. a rural town, maybe? What do you think that gives us? What traits do we develop? Community, like it's all about community, and I think you know in business, and that's with the Samantha Wills jewelry brand. Our community was the strongest thing within our brand, and I cannot stress enough. I used to, you know, in growing up in Port Macquarie, we would go to Newcastle, which was probably you know a three-hour drive away, and to me that was like the city, that was like the big smoke, and to me it felt so isolated. I was like, you know, again before the internet, you kind of just saw what you knew, what you saw. Um, so. To me, that was like the community element has stayed with me. And I remember, so I've spent the last 10 years in New York and um, a funny story from my best friend Freya over there, she's Australian, she grew up on the North Shore in, in Sydney. And her and I were going somewhere in an Uber one night and the, the Uber driver, he's like got a really thick Bronx accent and he was kind of looking in the revision mirror and he's like, you know, where are you, where are you girls from? And Freya's like, oh, you know, we're from Australia. And then he looked at me and he's like, in the revision mirror, and he's like, and where are you from? And I was like... No, 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 I'm, we're, we're both from Australia. He's like, no, your accents are very, very different. And Freya's like, oh, well, you know, I grew up in, um, in, in Sydney. And I was like, oh, I'm from a small town. He's like, that's it, it's a small town accent. And I was like, I was like, what is that? I said, I thought we sound the same. He's like, oh, no, he's like, you sound very different. And then I was like, oh, sir, just out of curiosity, like, where did you think we were from before Freya said Australia? And he's like, I wasn't sure. I just knew it was somewhere with a cricket team. <laughs> I guess that's right, yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, and he wasn't the only person. Like, so many people in New York were like, your accent sounds different. And I used to be like, that's a bit offensive. Then I was like, no, I'm really proud of it. And I think, you know, it's, it's that community. You cannot learn community. I don't think it is in you. And it is the core of any good brand. Yeah. Listening back to these moments whilst in lockdown 4.0 in Victoria makes me really appreciate this amazing opportunity and crave another one. If you haven't already, go and purchase a copy of Samantha's book of gold and dust. It is a must-read memoir for anyone who has a desire to start their own business or a passion to live a creative life and follow their dreams. I'm so glad we've met and that now you know a friend of mine.